if you're on the left, you don't know how somebody on the right feels about it. You only know about the perception the media has given you about how somebody on the right feels about something. So it's really important to have those discussions. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. I've had at least 15 students who have increased more than four grade levels. Used theater as a tool to make great human beings. My expectations are high for all of them. One of the things that I really love about teaching is the fact that every day is sort of unique and different and strange. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Christy Hemingway, and our guest today, Sarah Webb, is in her 16th year working at a private girls' school just outside of Philadelphia, where she started out as an English teacher and later became the upper school librarian. As a teacher and librarian, Sarah experienced a growing concern over some of the behaviors she saw being fueled by social media. She felt that one of the best ways to address these trends would be to introduce media literacy and give the students skills and tools to better evaluate the messages they were absorbing. However, she had a challenge finding helpful high quality resources to support that instruction. Here's Sarah. When I took over being a librarian there full time, I took over a course called Computer Connections, which was really kind of tragic. And it was about like office productivity tools And I thought there's a much better use for this space than in figuring out how to use Excel. So I took it over and like slowly started to adapt it to become more of a media literacy class. And then I started looking for materials and, you know, I've sort of been piecing it together because the U S doesn't have a really good like media literacy program. Yeah. It's kind of slap shot in there. You were thinking there there's much better use for this. Mm-hmm. Why was media literacy the thing that you were like, that's what we need to focus on? What were you seeing happening that, that you knew you needed to respond to? Yeah, social media. So it's a girl's school and they're, you know, all of the things you hear about teenage girls and being body conscious and picking up trends and social media being terrible for them were all coming true all at once, right? When I was like, you know, this is what we need. It's media literacy. What did that look like? The need? How was that manifesting that was making you say, oh my gosh, we have to deal with this? Yeah. So we kind of call it the prom diet, where you see a lot of the girls in the spring suddenly get really small. Uh, So it was a lot of just noticing trends and trying to think of why is this acceptable? Why are we, you know, not trying to stop it? And then trying to get like back to the deeper roots of that. So you saw that need, but you, there wasn't really great resources. Am I right? You were just exactly. kind of having to cobble things together, yeah. but then you found something. <laughs> then, yeah. yeah you found something. And um, I'm sure that all of our listeners are going to be really excited to hear about it. So tell us. Sure. So I was, you know, looking up stuff on the internet, just as I do before every school year. And I came across the media bias chart which it's been around since 2016, Vanessa Otero used content analysis to try and figure out why the news was becoming so polarized. You know, nobody can talk about anything because everybody's going to get mad about it. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody's right. So I discovered the media bias chart and it breaks down media outlets into left and right, reliable, not reliable. And just the fact that that was all put together on a, a visual that I could show 
the students and faculty too. Yeah. It was really revolutionary. And you just stumbled across that on an internet search. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is amazing. My husband and I rely on different news outlets. Mm -hmm. and We have a little bit of a different take on politics, you know, and the scale of, of different issues. And so we'll get in these conversations and it always comes down to, well, where did you read that? Mm -hmm. and, and well, I read it here. Well, how do you know that's reliable? Well, how do you know yours is reliable? And, <laughs> and then the conversation just ends because yeah. we don't, neither one of us do. We don't have any way of assessing whether our news source is reliable or not. And it's sort of hopeless. And at one point I just thought, I'm just going to stop listening to the news because mm -hmm. I don't know what to believe. So what you found came from an organization called Adfontis. So tell us um, about Adfontis. You found them, you loved them. Uh, yeah, a few years ago, after I found the media bias chart, I was like, this is awesome. And I used it in my class. Everybody was very impressed. And then the next year, I was uh, looking it up again to prepare for class and discovered, oh my gosh, there is an updated version. Oh my gosh, I bet these people are actually doing educational things. So I looked up the company and they have an educational component called SUMA. Um, you know, ad fontis means from the source. Uh, so there are a lot of Latin acronyms in ad fontis media. So SUMA teaches students the art of content analysis as it applies to news sources. So instead of having to fight about, you know, a left-right binary in the news, you can look at the language or is the article saying that it is an opinion? Is it trying to present itself as fact? Um, it's really, it's a really concrete way of talking about the news without getting into fights and then having parent phone calls because, you know, you said one thing and they believe another thing. So can you give us an example of how you would use the resource in your classroom? How did that lesson or that activity actually unfold? So SUMA also has a companion program called CART for content analysis ratings tool. And it allows, it's a, an interactive interface where you can read an article and then rate that article on a sliding scale. Um, every week, Adventist comes out with six articles that they've curated on a particular topic and that their analysts have rated. So once teachers, you know, use the SUMA curriculum to teach it to their classes, they can get onto CART and have students actually practice doing the content analysis. And then they can compare the scores their students come up with, with the scores that our analysts come up with. And how are those scores determined? Because I can imagine a listener going, well, who's analyzing it? How do I yeah. know? How do I know that they're objective? Nobody's objective. So how does that happen? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I asked the same one when I started. But we have pods of analysts. So we have somebody who identifies as a center, you know, leaning person, somebody on the left, and somebody on the right. We've all gone through the content analysis training. Uh, most of the people who are there now have been there for a year. So they've been practicing this for a year. Um, but we get into pods and we'll have a shift and we'll rate a whole bunch of articles. So we'll read it, rate it, and then come back and talk about it. Because sometimes you don't know, you know, if you're on the left, you don't know how somebody on the right feels about it. You only know about the perception the media has given you about how somebody on the right feels about something. So it's really important to have those discussions. And once we all discuss it and figure out, um, you know, if we can like bring our scores kind of together uh, that's actually the real joy of this is trying to get different people's opinions. And then you have the language to talk about it without getting mad. Um, so you move the score for bias and reliability. Um, the bias score goes from zero, which is, or sorry, the reliability score 
it was from zero, which is really stuff that people have made up, up to 64, which is like those people were on the ground in Afghanistan reporting live, really good news sources. And then the bias goes from zero to 42 and zero to negative 42 for left or right. And then there are a bunch of different metrics that you use once you figure out how to you know, go through the SUMA lessons that you figure out like, okay, this article is, um, you know, it's a 42, it's a mix of fact reporting and analysis. It's a little bit to the left. So it's like a negative eight. And then you discuss it with your pod of, you know, other political leans. And then you come up with like a one score. To give you a mental picture of what Sarah is describing, the media bias chart is a grid. The grid measures bias horizontally from left to right and measures value and reliability vertically. Dozens of news outlets and publications are placed on the grid according to their scores in these categories. So sources that appear high on the vertical grid and central on the horizontal grid are the most unbiased and reliable sources based on the analysis criteria. AdFontis has a static media bias chart that you can access for free at adfontismedia.com. You can also subscribe to an interactive media bias chart that allows you to input specific sources and aggregate the data in a variety of ways. As a side note, you can also submit an article for rating if you're wondering about the reliability or bias of a certain news story or publication. This sounds like an activity that not only is good for students, but like families and company, almost any group um, and a lot of adults, right? <laughs> they, well, we yeah. need resources because we don't know how to evaluate our news sources. Um, can you just, I'm going to jump back for just a second because I would love for the sake of our listeners, for you to just talk about how you actually define media literacy, the term. Absolutely. So there are a lot of definitions out there. For me, media mm -hmm. literacy is how to critically think about the messages that, that are behind media. And I think an important component of that is also to figure out who is sponsoring that media. So one of the um, documentaries we watch in my media literacy class examines how big oil sponsored climate denial, you know, organizations mm -hmm. for decades. Um, but if you look at the money trail, you can find out that the people who are actually, you know, paying for the content are the people who want you to believe a certain thing. It's partly knowing what questions to ask if I'm hearing you right. Yes. And then knowing where to look for those answers, because mm -hmm. you can read something and you can be like, I don't know who this author is. Um, were they a reporter? Is this an eyewitness report? Is how do you how do you find that information? So there's a skill that's pretty hot lingo wise right now called lateral reading. And it takes in mind that you open up a tab on your computer and you read an article. Then you're like, oh, well, who wrote this? So you open up a tab next to it. And instead of reading that entire new article, you just sort of skim through and you're like, okay, well, this article agrees with these things. Let me open up another source and see if this article agrees with these things. So you can sort of, you know, grow laterally to see uh, if there are different articles that agree with each other, if the author has written, you know, has any voice of authority to write the things that they've written. So then it includes researching the author and or the organization that published and 
all of that information is then sifted down into some kind of a metric where you actually can measure the reliability of the piece. Yes. So good. So do students like it? I mean, what is the engagement level with students? I can imagine using this would make them feel empowered over the information that's coming at them. Yeah. So I think that students nowadays are really aware of the fact that media lies to them on a grand scale. Mm -hmm. And having grown up with it, a lot of them also don't know what they don't know. They don't know how to tell what's true or where to look. So I think for a lot of them, it sort of scratches that intellectual itch because CART and SUMA are a very concrete way of looking at things. And once you understand content analysis, you, you understand it. You don't like lose it later. Mm-hmm. So they really like both learning about it and then also CART, the tool that we use, because you get this fun interactive interface. You get to move sliders around. There's also a view where you can look at your own media bias chart that you created based on the articles that you've rated. Um, so they like it for like the gamification part and also for the, oh, now I understand how to read news part. Mm-hmm. And so on a bigger scale, media literacy is like a skill that then feeds into a lot of other content areas, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So what, first of all, what grade level are you doing this with? You could start with uh, seventh graders using okay. our analysis platform. We have two different levels of articles that we push out every week. Mm-hmm. So we have starticles, which are usually not on like a current hot button topic. They'll be on something like, what is lab-grown meat? How do we feel about that? Are the farmers supporting it? Um, is science the correct on it? So it'll be like a, six articles on that. And there'll be two that are really left-leaning, two that are really right-leaning, two that are very much in the middle and factual. So that when you introduce it to your seventh grade class, they will have a really easy time of understanding the rating system and where articles go on the scale. And then we also have carticles, <laughs> cart articles, um, which we've used with high school. I used it with some 12th graders I had last year. And then we have some colleges that are using it right now. And it's on whatever the hot topic is of the week. So they can be of any topic, you know, any political leaning. And again, it's a set of six articles that we have our analysts rate so that the scores are there once you use them with your class. So anywhere from seventh grade on up. Okay. And Sarah, are you still in, are you still teaching? Yes. You're still teaching, mm-hmm. but you loved Adfontis so much that you went to work for them. So what is it that you're doing with Adfontis right now? Yeah. So right now I'm an analyst, so I get to rate articles. And then also because I have felt for over a decade so deeply that media literacy needs to be part of the curriculum, um, I'm started to help them develop their, their educational product a little more. And now I do onboarding for them. So if you or you know, any school is to buy it, I will walk you through the process of how to use the tool and then how to implement it in your classroom. Okay. Well, also teaching. So you're still a full-time teacher and you're just, you're doing that on the side. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a lot. It's fun. Um, Yeah. I'll bet. I'll bet. So I'm curious then if you would talk a little bit about how you, when you first started using Adfontis, how did you use it to address the social media messages that were impacting the culture with the girls at the school where you teach? Yeah, that's a good one because it all goes back to money, right? Because most of the posts that you see on Instagram, especially for teenage girls, uh, depending on the algorithm, uh, are trying to sell you something. So it's an influencer that's trying to get you to buy 
a product. You know, it's a company that sponsored something. It's all about sales. And once you understand that you need to look at where the, you know, who sponsored that content, then you start to understand that the pictures that you're seeing aren't reality. You know, that it's all constructed for you, which is kind of tragic. Well, once you have that tool and you understand it, you can see through it most of the time. Were you able to see an impact or a shift from the work that you did with them? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the girls would come to me and tell me that they were reading something over the weekend and decided to apply their content analysis skills and came up with, you know what, this is actually pretty good. I'm really proud of myself. Or a couple of them came up and they're like, my mom or dad was reading something completely horrible. I don't even know where to start with them. I love it when they come out from outside of the classroom with, hey, I look, I practiced this thing that we just learned and it worked. Yeah. Great. Well, and it just seems like this accusation of fake news can just be thrown around and nobody really knows it's a pejorative, right? You can just, you can just say it in order to invalidate anything you want invalidated. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. And I hate the term fake news because it is pejorative. It just covers everything. Yeah. I don't like what you're saying. That's fake news. It's and fake. then that sh- yeah. shuts it down and you can't do anything with it. And we yeah. have to find a way out of this quagmire that we've created with media, social media, news media, all the different kinds of media that that we can just throw this you know, accusation around and have nobody know what to rely on or what to believe or what the real sources of accurate news are, especially in times like right now. Um, with a global pandemic going on and nobody knows what to believe about the vaccines and um, the mandates. And it just becomes, it just becomes the shouting match. Well, it's kind of the same playbook that big oil used to lie to us for so long is eventually boiled down to an issue of freedom. It's kind of easier to see through it once you have the skills, but yeah, getting the skills is the problem. So having done this work for a while, Mm -hmm. What sources have you found the most objective, the most reliable? Yeah. So um, if you go to Advantis Media and you look at the media bias chart, um, anything that's uh, toward the top in the middle is going to be a really good bet. Yeah. Okay. Is this process of lateral reading the way that fact checking is accomplished? Yes. Yes, it is. And in fact, I don't know if you've heard about the Stanford Education Group study. No. Stanford History sorry, Stanford History Education Group Study. But they did one where they tested a group of history professors, a group of students, and a group of fact checkers to see who could come up with the, is this reliable, the fastest? And it was the fact checkers that won every time using lateral reading. Their study is actually super interesting. Hey there, listeners. I gotcha. I've linked the Stanford Education Group in the episode notes so you can read this study and some other interesting articles about students' inability to judge the credibility of information, which, let's be honest, really applies to all of us. If I'm a teacher listening and I think, oh my gosh, I got to get a hold of this, how long does it take a teacher to become a proficient user and how long does it take students to learn how to use these tools well? Yeah. So um, for an educator, I'd say you could pick it up, the basics of it up after a half an hour onboarding session and then playing with it for a couple of hours on your own. Also on Sunday nights, we have a live rating session. So you can log in and join me as your host. And then three of our normal analysts to actually watch them live rate some of the articles. So you could see how it works. 
Um, Vanessa, the head of our company, also does webinars sometimes. So you could log in to watch those. And then as far as students, so we offer, you know, the two different levels of articles that we push out every week. So if you have students who are doing starticles, you just get like a shortened rating system that you can use. And with the videos, I'd say within two or three classes, you can get them to start rating articles. Okay. And then what content area, what teachers are using this? Who would you recommend it for? Yeah. So it's a really good fit with media literacy. If you are lucky enough to have one of those, Mm -hmm. it's a really good fit with any of the humanities. So if you have a journalism class, it is fantastic for that. I blew some of the seniors' minds last year with this. I'll bet. Yeah. Um, It's really good for social studies. Uh, It's good for history classes. You could really use it in any subject area because it's content analysis. So you could use content analysis to evaluate almost anything. Mm-hmm. And it's not a curriculum. It's, it's a tool, right? Yeah. So um, it could be incorporated. I mean, a, a teacher could develop a unit around it, around content analysis and say, well, this is something we're going to do. We're going to learn this skill and then we're going to apply it moving forward as we write papers and as we do research and as we, you know, study different parts of history. Is that kind of how teachers tend to use it? Yeah. That, and that's definitely an application that we would love to see more of. What other applications have you seen? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to pivot just a smidgen and talk about, sure. we have a, the media bias chart, which is what I initially found so you're, you know a few years ago. We also have an interactive media bias chart, which allows you to search for particular sources. Um, it allows you to search for only sources that are past a certain reliability marker. But people have been doing some interesting work with that, um, especially if you have like a computer class, you wanted to do data analysis, you can use that material. You can use it if you're going to assign students to, you know, do research on the internet, but you only want them to use very reliable sources. Or if you want them to do an exercise where they only look at very far right or very far left sources, Mm. it's just another tool. This is, this seems so essential that I kind of shudder to think of any teacher's doing, you know, research-based work without a tool like this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are we seeing more and more states, districts mandating media literacy as part of the curriculum? Yeah. So uh, I wish that there was just, you know, a clarion call and everybody was on it. But the United States is not super great, as I said earlier, with media literacy in general. And I just looked it up. And right now, we're not even in the top five the Open Society Institute did a study on, you know, the countries that do the best job of teaching media literacy. And Finland is the first again. (laughs) Always. Always Always Finland. They are killing Why don't we just put Finland in charge? This has been my (laughs) question for the longest time. Uh, You know what? Uh, They seem like they're doing a pretty great job over there. No, they've got it all figured out. Yeah. Um, But there are Advocacy organizations, um, Adfantis Media works with Media Literacy Now, which is a media literacy advocacy organization. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, my school district needs media literacy, the best place to go would be Media Literacy Now to figure out how you can get started. Yeah. Because there are places that it has sort of grassroots organically sprung into being that now media literacy is part of the curriculum. Yes, We'd love to see more. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that it works on a license basis. It does. Is that true? Yep. Can you so, explain that to our listeners? 
Sure. Um, so there are lots of different levels. Um, you can download the static, like the, just the media bias chart that's floating on the internet. You can get that for free and use that as a teaching tool because we feel that that's the most important thing is to you know, give students that revolutionary aha view of the, the media landscape. Um, you can also play with the, the interactive media bias chart on our website um, for free a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the pricing is available on our website, but it starts, with, it's under a dollar a student in most um, cases to yeah. use this. Yeah. And you can buy it for a semester or a whole year. You can have multiple teachers use it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you said that there's this free Sunday night reading that people mm -hmm. can tune into. There are other, there are other training resources and workshops as well, I think. Can, yes. Would you talk us through those? Sure. So our founder, Vanessa Otero, who developed this entire system, every few months will have a, a seminar in which she teaches about a particular topic. She'll go over everything that we have, you know, and like the gamut of things that Adventus Media presents. Um, but then she'll do a special one. My favorite one so far has been on how to identify a conspiracy theory. Oh, nice. Yeah. I can imagine that she's in great demand. Yeah. And she's also really, really invested in her topic. So it's, it's kind of fun to watch that. And are those, are those sessions suitable to use with students or are they to train educators and then educators can go and deliver that content to students? Yeah, they're more adult focused. They're more sure. adult focused. Mm -hmm. Okay. But do they have content that teachers can then go and kind of use or translate to their students? Yeah, absolutely. And we have a lot of handouts that you can use with your students. Um, and then every now and then we'll have educator training. As an educator, you could have watched all the sessions and then gotten continuing education credits for it. Yeah. Okay. Just for free, just for signing up. So Sarah, I'm curious, you talked about the success that you had with when, when you were first concerned about the culture that was developing at your school mm -hmm. um, around body image and things with the, at the girls' school and that you had some success. Can Do any specific success stories stand out for you? Yeah, and I'm going to focus in on the, the 12th grade journalism that I had last year. So for the 12th grade, they came in, uh, you know, it was spring, it was second semester seniors. So they're already not super invested in their classes, but having them read across the media landscape and apply the content analysis, which they've not, never done before, was a favorite for a lot of the girls in that class. A lot of the course evaluations that I got back said that that was one of their favorite activities because it made them not only read across a bunch of different sources, but it made them think critically, which they never had to do before about mm -hmm. the news. So they felt like they were going off to college, you know, sort of armed with this brand new skill that they were able to, you know, defend their position on things, yeah. but using actual facts and language and like a system. Um, I can imagine if they do go off to college, they're going to miss their access to these tools because their college won't necessarily, <laughs> you know, have a license or be providing those kinds of, those kinds of comparison tools for them, but they can use the, they can use the free one, but only to a certain extent, right? They can use the free one and they have all of my notes. So. Okay. <laughs> right. They can move forward with the skill, even if they no longer have access to the yeah. Atlantis resource. Exactly. Okay. And the static media bias chart is always available on our website. 
and then also you can become a news nerd for, I think it's $10 a month. And then you have access to all of the continuing education materials, uh, like on an individual subscriber level. Oh, wow. So that's good to know just for the average person walking around like yeah. me who needs it for conversations with my husband. <laughs> exactly. There's also, I think it's an, it's either a six or eight hour adult continuing education course where you too can learn the joy of news content analysis. Speaking of the joys of news content analysis, if you're interested in becoming an analyst, you can apply to be part of that team. The AdFontist analyst team includes people from all different backgrounds and industries, representing different people groups and varying perspectives. You read about all the issues about which you want to be informed anyway, and talk to your team members in a safe space focused on learning. We're all trying to come at this from the same like using the same vocabulary from the same like knowledge source, then it makes it just a really safe space to talk about topics that maybe you couldn't in any other, any other place. AdFontist creates that same safe space in your classroom with your students, elevating the discussion of issues above name calling and mic dropping. AdFontist Medium is the home of the Media Bias Chart, and they have both student-facing tools as well as ongoing training and education for teachers and pretty much anyone else wanting to get smarter about media messaging. In the episode notes, you'll find links to the Media Bias Chart, to Media Literacy Now, to various articles and studies about media literacy, and of course, to AdFontist at edcuration.com. While you're at EdCuration, set up your free educator dashboard, Check out our upcoming events and webinars and take advantage of our free professional learning explorations. You'll also find our blog and all of our podcast episodes. Speaking of, if you have a resource or topic you'd like to share with our podcast audience, reach out via the contact us button. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, leave us a comment and share us with friends and colleagues who can benefit from all the ways that we are reshaping learning on the Ed Curation Podcast. Mm-hmm.